I'm not saying this is true. I'm right. saying this mm-hmm. is like a, a claim in the media that like the chickens in America are so dirty that they have to be put in chlorine when they when they get killed, and then like and then like chlorine's gonna end up in your food. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, see, that's, yeah. that's I have actually I haven't heard that one yet, but that's a really interesting yeah, one. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, it's 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 like it's like being in all the papers. Like, so apparently the conditions in American farms are so bad that mm-hmm. when the chicken gets killed, it's like so dirty it has to be washed in chlorine, and then it gets put in with and it gets put in your food. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about conservation and wildlife and how it relates to agriculture. To help me with this topic, I have my guest today, Rachel. I'm going to allow uh, Rachel to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hiya, I'm Rachel. I'm host of the Hidden Wings and Bloodlust podcast, which is a podcast all about ladybirds and ladybugs around the world. And um, yeah, so I'm... <laughs> here to talk about conservation awesome well yeah it's really interesting i'm sure that you know your uh, your experience and research with ladybugs has definitely brought you know a lot of questions about that kind of conversation especially because of how vital ladybugs are in, in, in the agricultural communities you know mm-hmm. they serve as beneficial insects for a lot of integrated pest management and that sort of thing so yeah we connected um you, you reached out to me and said you were interested in, in the conversation about conservation and wildlife um, yeah, you know, kind of getting into that, what, what, what was your, you know, what, what caused you to become curious about that topic or what kind of reach, you know, caused you to reach out to me about this? So basically, um, in the UK where I'm from, there are quite a lot of, um, like initiatives around, especially like the conservation of birds. Hmm. Um, like we have a lot of birds that, um, usually nest in like farmers fields and they've like specifically evolved to make that their habitat and so sort of things like skylarks like yellow hammers and stuff which we've got a lot of we've actually because i live quite near of i live quite near some agricultural land and it's quite common in the summer especially to hear the skylarks um which is this bird that and they can actually it's really interesting they can actually go they can sing and fly while they're singing and 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 this can like go on for probably as long as like 10 minutes sometimes um so they're quite an incredible uh species and we've got a lot of different wildlife that's evolved like that but unfortunately because of um a variety of different factors one of which is of course uh pesticides and like changes in like the land use and stuff like fields are not being left as often as they maybe were in the in the past it's kind of um some of these some of these species of um have declined and also there is the issue of of i suppose like um public sort of access and rights of way and things and sort of balancing that between that and the interest of the farmer and the interest of the wildlife interesting Okay. Well, yeah, that, that kind of gives me a good foundation of, of, you know, where to go with this conversation. Um, just to kind of, as a disclaimer, you know, most of my 
information and experience comes from uh, agriculture as it, as it functions in the United States. Oh, um, the screen. Oh, there it goes. Um, so mm. yeah, a lot of my a lot of my information yeah. is going to come from uh, American style agricultural uh, legislature. So any anything I say may not specifically mm. apply to you know to to UK uh, conservation laws, but there there's going to be a lot of yeah. crossover for the yeah. most part, and a lot of the principles will be very similar. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. I think that kind of the best way to to go about this conversation is to approach you know conservation and and its relationship with agriculture first of all um you know mm-hmm. i i talk you know pretty often on the podcast about how agriculture serves uh, kind of as a bridge between um between humanity and between nature basically so yeah agriculture is you know our way of utilizing nature to to extract resources that we can then turn into viable products for us to either consume or use for our day-to-day lives um, now that being said, there's going to be a lot of crossover with wildlife. You know, you have, like you mentioned, birds yeah. that, that often find homes on farms. You have, um, mm. you know, rodents that find their way into fields and, and at times are either, you know, considered pests where they, where they damage, uh, fields or vice versa, where they are, uh, like their homes are actually eradicated by ag- agricultural practices and yeah. most of the time yeah. unintentionally, you know, whether it be through tilling methods that, that tear up holes yeah. or it be, you know, squirrels and gophers that just get hit by tractors or whatever it is there's usually some kind of uh, conflict between the farmer and and you know most pests um that being said outside of that realm a lot of the conservation is is a lot stricter so um you know any kind of endangered birds in the area you know farmers are not allowed to uh, to do anything about even if they're damaging crops usually there's some kind of governmental subsidy that will uh you know kind of um, what's what I'm looking for that will kind of supplement the loss that that would be coming from any endangered animals in the area that are causing damage. Um, you know, any, especially in, in, in the United States, we have, you know, an issue with uh, deer and you know foxes and wolves and other animals like that, that are yeah. endangered yeah. kind of coming near farms and farmers will often fear that they'll cause damage and, and either shoo them off or sometimes, sometimes even, you know, go out of their way to make sure those animals are are not pests. Um, there are quite a few conservation laws in place to protect those animals from being, you know, hurt in any mm-hmm. way that that would cause, you know, potential danger to their environment. Um, but you know, that being said, there's also a lot of arguments, you know, for and against agriculture in terms of their role in conservation, whether it be uh, deforestation or the lack of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the lack of deforestation, mm-hmm. uh, the disruption of the ecosystem, like you mentioned, pesticides. Uh, a big concern with conservation laws is the use of pesticides and how they contaminate water that can, you know, impact local ecosystems, whether it be the drinking water or the environments for the fish nearby or whatever it is. So there is a big conversation to be had about conservation and agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that the UK has actually tried, um, I think it started in Europe, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, some There's a scheme whereby farmers get given money to leave a strip of land like down the field um, and leave it uncultivated. And like the exact like location of the strip can like change year to year in fact i think it's better like for the soil that that it doesn't and they found that because um they actually found that doing this a lot of farmers were worried that it was going to cause um like a an increase in pests Mm. but they actually found that because they've let this strip of land like be uncultivated it meant that like um pollinators could like fly from one 
part of the field to the other part and like have a place to stop and they also found that the beneficial insects such as ladybirds or like ground beetles and all of these all of these different kinds of insects that would actually eat pests had like somewhere to like grow and like develop and they actually found that doing that um it kind of seemed like it would it could it could create a habitat for pests but it actually turned out that there were fewer pests Hmm. once they once they'd done this yeah yeah wow and a lot of a lot of farmers now a lot of farmers now have this Hmm. um of course a lot of them don't but a lot of them a lot of them do Interesting. Yeah. And that, that sounds like something that we've actually been kind of experimenting with in the United States. Uh, it's, it's this approach for, you know, governmental subsidies to kind of encourage mm-hmm. farmers to uh, try out more regenerative methods. And it may not necessarily be leaving a strip of land completely, you know, free of free of cultivation, yeah. but it might be somewhere yeah. along the lines of practicing no-till or practicing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. less, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of uh, less, uh, uh, not in, kind of kind of less intrusive, I guess would be the best way to look at it. Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, leaving the land alone in terms of not spraying with anything, not tilling it. You can plant stuff there, but you don't really, uh, you know, add anything to it. You kind of just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And they have noticed that, I mean, I haven't heard anything about the, you know, the impact of, of beneficials, you know, having an increase of beneficial insects nearby, but maybe that's because of the difference yeah. in methods. Um, but we have seen uh, positives in, in terms of the benefits of the, health of the soil and the you know the the mm-hmm. life of the microbiomes underneath the soil and, and everything that all the micro yeah. microorganisms underneath the soil are much more abundant there's a lot there's a lot more biodiversity mm-hmm. in the microorganisms which increases the nutrient density of the soil and the uh you know the availability of nutrients for crops to uptake that's kind of the idea behind crop rotation and the use of cover crops to try to rejuvenate soil but yeah mm-hmm. for, from what from the way you described it, it sounds like that process is somewhat of a regenerative method that's kind of being experimented with, which I'm interested to see how that turns mm. out over the years. Yeah, I think another issue with it is like the quality, as you said, like the quality of the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like some, because like I think in the past it used to be that like soil got like rotated and mm-hmm. and rotated and stuff. So like you know the the one year it would be like nothing there the next year it would be like a I don't know wheat or carrots or whatever and like now like a lot of the time like the same thing is Mm -hmm. is grown like year after year so there's just like a monoculture Mm -hmm. and so it ends up with the soil like becoming degraded over time and they've actually sort of um especially like especially during this this period where like um for one thing we've had um brexit so we're gonna like be trading less with different like european countries would we ordinarily import um a lot of food and also because of covid and there's been like sort of supply um disruption mm-hmm. they've actually found that like even though like this time that we're like supposed to be relying more on our own products the quality of the soil is going down so mm-hmm that's going to mean that there's less uh the, the either the the amount that can be produced is going to go down or the quality of it is going to go and they think that like um and they think that a lot of that is is due to the fact that it just gets overused again and again for the same thing and very intensively as well so 
a lot of the time um they also they also like find that things like um earthworms and dung beetles and things that would usually live um in the soil just kind of like they the habitat for them like reduces over time and i think especially if there's like pesticides but even sometimes if there's not um yeah i mean i'm really sorry I, this isn't like my the area that i know like the most about but mm. because i read quite a lot about this kind of thing like right um yeah no and, yeah. and you, you bring up an interesting point you know in in the conversation about conservation there's yeah. a lot of talk about the wildlife and you know how it impacts the ecosystems and not as much talk about the soil and the soil is the most mm. important part i mean soil scientists recently have kind of discovered and this is something that yeah. you know even ancient civilizations knew that we kind of ignored for a while was that soil is the number one thing you need to protect in order to have a healthy ecosystem or a healthy farm or a healthy anything so you know soil health is vital to to you know the 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 the, the success of plant material of animals of you know everything that relies on the soil and so you see this actually happen a lot you know with countries that are like whether they be you know whether they're incapable of of you know producing enough food to far, to to feed their populations and all of a sudden their trade you know maybe their trade agreements get renegotiated or they have less access to those those usual trade agreements and they're having to rely more yeah. on growing their own food mm-hmm. you start to see a lot of issues with leaching you start to see a lot of issues with um, you know, kind of like you mentioned there's a lot of degradation of soil a lot of soil mm-hmm. erosion and that yeah. sort of thing because whether it be, you know, they're, they're demanding a lot more of the soil than they originally did. And that's way too much for the soil to adapt to, or they just haven't been, been using the soil that intensively and didn't realize how, how hard they would hit it. It went, you know, by, by basically it's a lot of it has to do with just poor practice. You know, there's, yeah, there's a lot that can be improved, you know, when soil conservation is, is, you know, the first priority of the farmer. And that's not even something that the government needs to regulate. That's something that, you know, even the markets are starting to see is that farms that prioritize soil conservation tend to have higher yields and an and increased crop health versus those that don't. And you see a lot of markets that kind of get, um, you know, shifted because of the, the way that those farmers are treating their soil. That's why in a lot of developing countries, they have such a hard time growing, you know, cross properly or, or, you know, maybe, maybe they were productive, you know, uh, agriculturally productive over time and they kind of aren't anymore because they either neglected the soil, they overleached it, or now it's just to a point where it's no longer fertile enough because they didn't pay attention to the microorganisms that are beneath the ground. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a big conversation that needs to be had about soil conservation and how that relates yeah. to wildlife conservation, ecosystem conservation, and agricultural mm-hmm. protect, you know, protection of those, of those industry or those um, areas of life. Yeah. Cause I was just saying, I, I, I read something that said something like, the UK farm soil only has around a hundred harvests left in it. And I don't know that that might be wrong. I don't know how, I don't know how they can know that, but a lot, there's like, I've seen like figures like 30 or 40 years or like even less in some Mm. cases. And I don't know how that's like calculated, but I suppose they, I suppose they look at the, um, I suppose, I, suppo- I suppose they look at the damage that's been taken place and kind of like calculate it from from there um yeah like um so but yeah i mean i think i think also um the other thing that's quite interesting is um the um i think you often i think the other thing is like sometimes you kind of hear that like you know if um meat 
production is eradicated and it is really bad like that if that if that if that was eradicated then that could like solve all of the issues from farming and stuff but what they've actually found is that like a lot of um like dung beetles and stuff that are um in in a lot of like land that's like formerly that's like formerly used for like cattle grazing and stuff and now it's not used for that Mm -hmm. um like a lot of the they found that a lot of um dung beetles that used to rely on like dung from like horses and cows are like now severely are now like endangered in some places because they what they were relying on before like doesn't exist and now there's like um sort of dog poo or cat poo or whatever and those dung beetles that feed on the dog poo are are doing well but the ones that feed on um other animals are not necessarily so it's like i found that quite interesting because um even though like meat like meat meat farming causes like huge issues like in terms of the environment like getting rid of that isn't necessarily going to solve like all of the problems that that can be caused like with farming and it might actually cause some of its own i don't know what you think about that yeah, definitely. I mean, so I'm I'm a, I'm a large advocate for the beef industry, and, and yeah. you know, because I, I grew up around it, and I've 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 read all of the studies about you know the, the concerns mm-hmm. people have about the beef industry, and some of them you know are definitely mm-hmm. valid. There's environmental damage that we could be uh, reducing through you know through the use of of beef production, but yeah, there's this idea you know like you mentioned that eradicating the beef and the beef and especially the beef and dairy industries more than anything for some yeah. reason those two are are just really really hit hard, but um there's this idea that eradicating the beef and dairy industries and just kind of getting rid of all cattle is going to solve all of our problems Mm. in the world. And Mm. there really isn't a ton of evidence to support that. There's actually a YouTube video called why getting rid of meat won't save the world. And it's actually really interesting because it goes really into depth Mm. about all of the reasons why that kind of stuff won't work. And, Mm. you know, you even brought it to another level. There are actual, you know, there are actually other animals even depend on the beef industry and the, in the dairy industry to rely uh, or to thrive essentially. Um, but I always make the argument that, you know, we can't just get rid of the beef industry. We can't just get rid of the dairy industry. Um, Mm -hmm. we need to adapt and find better ways to deal with those, those environmental issues. You know, uh, methane was, was one of the big concerns and we're starting to figure out ways to do that. We have, uh, you know, these giant machines called methane digesters that basically take all the methane from a farm and convert it into usable energy. You know, they're finding ways to Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, redirect the the what would what would cause environmental damage and use it for a beneficial thing instead. Um, we're finding all kinds yeah. of ways to do that. You know, we're recycling water now instead of you know just wasting it. Uh, we're you know finding ways to more efficiently produce beef and dairy without causing the environmental damage that we've you know that we have in, in the past years. Um, and you know, not only that, if you eradicate those two industries, you're eradicating a lot more than just those two industries. Mm. You know, there are mm. tons of industries that rely heavily on the byproducts of those two industries. So let's just yeah. take beef, for example. You know, if you get rid of all beef, you know, you're getting rid of leather. So there's not going to be, mm. you know, there's going to be a massive gap in the clothing and, and you know, auto, uh, automobile departments. If you get rid of beef, you're also getting rid of uh, a lot of different types of plastics that are synthesized from the fats and bones of animals yeah. that are used to create like computer chips and other plastics that are used kind of, you know, for industrial purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the keratin that can be found in their hooves and horns, not only do they use hooves and horns for like dog bones, but they can also use that keratin um, for other purposes, you know, other, you know, more sturdy, you know, plastics and that kind of stuff. The other, the, the variety of byproducts that would be just completely, you know, no longer available because of the eradication of these industries would be 
catastrophic. I mean, not to mention the dairy industry mm-hmm. produces a ton of byproducts that we use on a daily basis. Um, and it's yeah. just, you know, that's something that doesn't, isn't really talked about a whole lot. You know, you want to talk about conservation and saving the planet. Well, that's great. But if you do that, you're going to cause a lot more damage to the planet than you realize. I mean, it's not going to save yeah. nearly as much as you hope it will. Yeah. I think, I think like maybe, um, perhaps, yeah, exactly. Like, as you said, like the way that it, that it's produced like could be changed mm-hmm. um and like the it seems like on your like podcast and stuff you're like trying to like explore ways to to do that mm-hmm. um i think i don't know like in in the uk i don't know this is probably gonna sound like quite ignorant of me but like in the uk um there's this a lot of we hear a lot of stories about american farms and how like full of chemicals like all of the animals are pumped full of chemicals and like how um like and like how like how like i've seen like pictures of like huge like battery like battery things like full of chickens and stuff and like because we're currently trying to get like a trade deal like with the us like there's lots of stories in the media like this is what our farms will look like after after this like you know you'll have like 20 million different antibiotics in your food like you know (laughs) things like that i don't know whether that's like whether that's still accurate or whether that's like perhaps it's only some farms or is it changing or yeah, there's there's definitely been an evolution of agriculture recently. Uh, and mm. that's, you know, it's, it's not just in the UK, all around the world, mm. even in the United States, that's a fear. I mean, there's yeah. people here that don't yeah. trust our food. Um, there's, you know, the reason why, the, so I have a theory about why these fears kind of first started out. So first yeah. of all, to answer your question, yeah. no, that's not, you know, n- none of those claims are even remotely true. Um, we do use yeah. antibiotics, but they're not like excessive. We don't have 20 billion t- different types of antibiotics. You know, it's the same kind of idea as, you know, if, if you go to the doctor and they prescribe you medicine, you're going to take it so you get better. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be out of your system after, you know, a couple of weeks. It's the same idea yeah. with animals. So you give them antibiotics whenever yeah. they get sick and only when they get sick. And then yeah. you're not allowed yeah. to butcher them or use their meat until all the antibiotics are out of their system. There's actually yeah. a 90 day yeah. withdrawal period for most animals before they even get to get slaughtered to make sure there's yeah. absolutely no trace of antibiotics. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that's part of it. The other part of it, you know, there's this fear of hormones, you know, like we plump our chickens full of growth hormones. And now they're all massive. Not true. You know, it, it's in the entire history of, of agriculture, it's never been legal to produce chickens that have had growth hormones in them. It's never been legal to use growth hormones on beef cattle or on dairy cattle. Like, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not going to say there's nobody who's ever tried it. Cause I'm sure they have. Yeah. 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 Once they go to the slaughterhouse, the slaughterhouse does their tests on those animals. If they find that in their bloodstream, that animal's automatically disqualified from being slaughtered. Like you, it's, it's a completely illegal. They have to waste that meat now, which is terrible. Um, so most, yeah, yeah. pretty much everyone in the industry kind of knows, like these are things you do not do because you can't even get away with it if you tried. You know, they're not only are they illegal, but if anyone find found out that was happening, the entire industry would be in trouble. So it's like we pretty much, yeah. you know, we understand why people are scared, but there's mm. not a ton of truth to the claims that are often made about us um but yeah yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the the fear that you know american farms are full of chemicals and hormones and all this kind of stuff i see where it comes from but a yeah, lot of yeah. it is just fear mong- uh, it's fear mongering yeah. and, and it's kind of mm. just 
this narrative push to really just sell organic and, and, you know, like kind of locally mm. grown products more not saying it's a bad thing, but I think that, you know, there's yeah. other ways you can do it besides fear mongering and kind of just saying, well, don't trust their yeah, food, it's the chemicals. It's like, well, technically it's not cause it's mm. not illegal. You know, if, if it was legal, then, you know, maybe, maybe I would support your claim, but it's not legal. And so it's kind of just, you know, I, I, I understand the, I understand the fear behind it, but it's just kind of silly. Mm yeah i think also there's like in the uk at the moment the one of the big stories with this whole like trade deal that was going to happen was like this whole idea that the um that the chickens i'm not saying this is true i'm saying this Mm -hmm. is like a a claim in the media that like the chickens in america are so dirty that they have to be put in chlorine when they when they get killed and then like and then like chlorine's gonna end up in your food like (laughs) so uh, see that message i have actually haven't heard that one yet but that's a really interesting one yeah yeah it's 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 like it's like being in all the papers like so apparently the conditions in america farms are so bad that Mm -hmm. when the chicken gets killed it's like so dirty it has to be washed in chlorine and then it gets Mm. put in with and it gets put in your food you know i'm really i'm curious where that claim came from because in in you know in america the poultry industry, you know, the chicken, turkey, you know, all, all those types yeah. of, of meat industries. Yeah. yeah. That is the cleanest of all the meats. Like, you know, and, and we actually have like biosecure areas. Like if you were to try to go to a chicken farm, you would have to like go to their facility. You have to strip down, take a shower, like, you know, do this whole like bath mm-hmm. to make sure that you're completely like, you know, you're not bringing any kind of foreign bacteria in go in yeah. to you know, wear their clothes before you're even allowed in the facility. It's very biosecure. Mm-hmm. It's very, cause like they're worried about avian flus getting out and avian diseases are more yeah, common than most others. Yeah. And so like they, you know, they, they try to keep their facilities as clean as physically possible. So I'm kind of, I'm curious where those claims came from. Cause like, it's, you know, like, you know, we hear that kind of stuff here, you know, people are concerned and it's like, guys, try to walk into a chicken barn and tell me it's dirty. Like you can't, because for one, they won't let you in without taking a bath first. And for two, it's the cleanest, it's cleaner than your house right now. Yeah. I guarantee it. Like they're mm-hmm. so, they're so pampered in there because you know mm. th- those are like you know, we want them to produce good meat we can't afford them for them to be to be dirty because if they're dirty they get sick if they're sick yeah. they get stressed if they're stressed their meat tastes bad so you yeah, know, we really want to focus on having high quality products so we try to keep them as mm. clean and healthy as possible so like yeah, yeah it's like it's the same kind of thing you know it's all about you know fear mongering and marketing and all this kind of stuff just to kind of you know push narratives it's like not not really sure yeah. what the goal here is, but you know, mm. if you, if you were to visit the farms, that's mm. really not how we do things here, you know? And yeah, of course it could just be one of those, you know, we want people to support our farm. So we don't want, you know, we don't want other farms to kind of, you know, to, to, ha- to kind of take over our market kind of thing. So Maybe they're, you know, maybe that's part of it, but for countries yeah. who are relying on our, you know, on our food, it kind of doesn't really make much, much sense, you know, but I don't know. I, people are going to say what they're going to say no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying no, that, I, that that is something you hear like every yeah. day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'd be surprised at <laughs> stuff we hear here. We we have all kinds of people, especially on like Facebook and you know other other social media yeah, platforms. Yeah. Like, you see posts about like, well, they do this. Like, there there was one. Um, there was mm. this. Uh, so we have this this shoot, which is it's a, it's like a metal like contraption that we stick cattle in, and the reason we do it is oh, because it, oh yeah, it yeah. like tips on its side. And we use it to clean their hooves, you know, so that way, that way their hooves don't get too long and they're not, you know, trying, like when they're trying to walk, it doesn't cause structural issues and it doesn't hurt them. You know, basically it's like, it's kind of like the same idea as like, 
you know, getting a, a, you know, a manicure or a pedicure or whatever, but it's, it's more important because it's not just to look nice. It's also for their health. Cause if, if they're walking yeah. on, on yeah. their hooves, it's kind of like, you know, imagine walking barefoot everywhere, as opposed to having, you know, shoes that have insoles in them, you know, it's going to change your, mm. you know, it's going to change your posture. Your back's going to hurt a lot more. Like there's going to be a lot of, it's like when they have the, um, when horses get their shoes so right. they can mm-hmm. walk when they like being ridden and stuff right it's the same idea with with cattle yeah. except we don't put shoes on them mm-hmm. we just clean up their hooves and and that kind of does the job for them so whenever they're walking they don't get hurt it doesn't you know they're not tripping over mm-hmm. their own hooves because they're too long like you know they they still need their their hooves trimmed just like horses do or else they're going to start having structural issues so in order to trim yeah. their hooves we can't just pick up their feet because they're not exactly the the most tame of animals i mean even the, the tame ones won't let you do that um, so we stick them in the chute, we tip them on their side. It's very relaxing. They basically just kind of like, re- you know, they kind of hang out the whole time. Uh, some of the, some of the mm-hmm. crazier ones might try to kick at you, but it's not cause they're hurt. It's just cause they don't know what's going on. Yeah. 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 And of then, you know, we trim their hose real quick, get them out and they're fine. You know, they're kind of walking funny for a minute cause they're trying to figure out how to walk. And then after that, they feel a lot better. Um, a picture of that shoot got, got thrown around the internet. Actually, I think it was on Facebook. And there was this claim that that shoot, uh, you know, we, we put animals in it and it shook them to death. That's how we killed them. And I was like, have you ever seen one of those shoots move? They move like, like that's the fastest they go. They don't go very fast. So it's like, they can't, they have, they don't even have the potential to shake something to death. Yeah. That, that makes nowhere near yeah. any sense. But, you know, like, again, people are going to make claims because they want to, they want to cause fear. It's not because they actually have seen it. Yeah. Happen or they trust it, but that's just, yeah how the internet is i think the um like i think around here like a lot of the the cattle and um sometimes uh, sheep and stuff they usually graze on um i suppose a lot of the time they graze on like agricultural land that like mm-hmm. people have a right to way right of way like to walk through um so there'll be like a footpath along the edge of the farmer's field and then there'll be like some i don't know like other like maybe like adjacent to like a more wild area like a wood or something mm-hmm. or or it'll be like um so i've got so there's a hill um near to where i live where that gets grazed by um by cattle and sheep sometimes mostly cattle and it it's like they they grazed on like sort of public land mm-hmm. um and that's not that's not how it, it always is but that's what it is like in, in that particular farm it's like obviously got some agreement with the government to do that um and um and so and so basically like people can like basically walk their dogs and um sometimes walk past cows and and things like that um but but like in general apart from when they're apart from like sort of times of year when they're grazing like people don't really see where they go like the rest of the time so like so like apart from you know you might walk past like a field with like some cows in it but you don't but i think people people don't get to see like what happens when they're ill or like what happens when they get like sent to the slaughterhouse like it's so i suppose like then their mind just like makes up all kinds of things because they just don't know what's what's happening um i think that's i think that's a big part of it um and especially i think when um yeah like i th- i think you know because you kind of you can walk past you walk past like a herd of cows i suppose every day but you don't necessarily see what what happens like from beginning to end 
Right. I guess. No, and and I think that's definitely a part of it. Like kind of like you said, and I think that this is a complaint that I've had actually against agriculture for a long time is that farmers tend to mm-hmm. be kind of secretive, you know, in the sense that mm-hmm. they don't like they're not super welcoming to have people just come on and see their operations and explain to them what's happening step by step. Some are some of, especially yeah. some of the newer generations, they're very excited yeah. about it. They're like, Hey, come on my farm. I'll take you for a whole tour. A lot of the older generations though, tend to be very hesitant to show anybody anything. And yeah. I think that that causes problems. You know, I think that there's people mm-hmm. who see that and they say, Oh, you know, this guy won't let me see what he's doing. That's probably not a good thing. And they start to make assumptions about what he's doing instead of just actually seeing this not nearly as bad as they, as they are going to think it is. And so yeah. I think that, yeah. you know, to your point, a lot of it has to do with just a lack of communication. It has to do with, you know, a mm-hmm. lack of uh, really, you know, having, having a firsthand experience with what's going on, kind of just seeing mm-hmm. it from a, from a glance or kind of like from the road instead of in the field that can cause a lot of, a lot of misconceptions to come up just kind of, you know, by happenstance. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, yeah. um, was there anything else, you know, I, I hope that kind of touched on, you know, what you're looking for, for the conservation side of things. I don't know if you had any more questions on wildlife or anything like that. Um, I think there was, there was, I did have another question, but I can't think of it at the moment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Um, I know that one of the common, you know, conversations that gets brought up with, with conservation is, um, uh, hunting as well. Hunting's kind of a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I actually just did an episode recently on this. Um, and so that's kind of, a. am not sure what hunting looks like in the UK. I know that's probably quite a bit different than the United States. If there even is any, it's a very different, I think it, okay. from what I've, from what I've heard in the, in a ma- from the conversation in America, and the mm-hmm. conversation about hunting in the UK is completely different. Okay. It's they're like that complete it's completely different because I mean I get the f- I don't know mm-hmm. um I don't know like how true this is but I get the impression that in the USA a lot of people hunt as part of like a traditional lifestyle like if they're like indigenous people or like if they you know like for for um maybe not even indigenous but just because of it's like their their like community and like their culture right. mm-hmm. in the uk it is not like that okay. um it's it's very on the whole i would say it's like confined to upper class people who mm-hmm. a lot of the time have like absolutely no regard for I mean, this is just, like, have got absolutely, like, no regard for, like, wildlife, like, farmers, like, anything. And they, and they kind of, like, sometimes, like, trample farmers' fields with their Mm. huge, like, packs of dogs. And, like, recently there was a case where um, they, they, they trampled through, like, a, an area where there is a residential garden and one of the dogs like killed a cat and then the hunt and there's like a video of the hunter just like picking up the cat and like throwing over like this woman's fence in the uk it's like it's very it's very controversial subjects because because it's because it's so associated with like this sort of ruling elite and the um and a particular group of people shall we say um whereas in in the us like i think it's it's um because there's more countryside and there's more like more traditions i suppose it's 
it's it seems very it's very different um, okay yeah like <laughs> yeah no i i could definitely yeah. see that and you know it, to your point in the united yeah. states is very yeah. very it's a very yeah. cultural kind of like almost mm. yeah it's much more casual um i would say you know like there you know there's definitely more serious yeah. hunting trips so most people who hunt they kind of just you know they mm. they get their guns they go kind of just sit around in an area and they just kind of hunt mm. i mean like not gonna say it's not intense because it can be but it's very yeah. uh like you know you're like you you don't really chase things a whole lot you don't really like you know go mm -hmm. through stampeding through countryside destroying people's farmland it's very you, know, you kind of go out in the wilderness or if you are on a farm you're not really like you know going yeah. through farmland you're kind of just on the sidelines um it's very yeah. very it's very cultural kind of like you said you know it's, it's a lot more of a mm -hmm. kind of like a fun pastime instead of something that you know people mm -hmm. do for you know for uh kind of Mm. more upper class style activities um mm. yeah. there's this idea yeah. like there's actually quite a few people who in the united states who oppose who oppose hunting even if they're not you know mm. even if they're not like anti-animal agriculture people who you know support the meat industries but they still don't like hunting and i understand why you know i think that there's valid reason to not like hunting yeah. um yeah. yeah i'm not the biggest fan of sports hunting or like you know trophy hunting you know hunting for for just a, mm. a head mount mm. on your wall but i don't have the biggest issue with it i'm more Mm -hmm. I, I'm more in support of hunting with a purpose, which is what most hunters in the United yeah. States do. There aren't very many that hunt just for yeah. the sake of hunting. Most of them hunt because there's a reason. Um, yeah. A lot of our hunting yeah. has to do with actually conservation. You know, a, a lot of our hunting is based mm -hmm. off of, mm -hmm. of environmental law that, you know, is for population control reasons. It's, it's just, so that way yeah. certain yeah. species don't become overpopulated and that now all of a sudden they're competing for resources and causing disruptions mm -hmm. in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, we hunt to try to preserve natural balance of things, yeah. try to make sure that, you know, there's not disruptions of ecosystems that we can control. And so that's, that's part yeah. of it. Another part of it is some people actually do hunt for food. I actually know people who refuse yeah. to buy, buy meat from the grocery store. They hunt all of the meat that they eat. And that's like their entire yeah. lifestyle is, you know, they, you know, they, they, they may live an entirely normal life, but they hunt and that's, that's the only meat that they eat for the entirety yeah. of, of their, of their life. And so, you know, like, yeah kind of like to your point hunting hunting is a very different role in, in the united states it's a lot more mm. you know mm. connected to earth it's not so much as, as mm. you know it's not so much of a game and so um that's kind yeah. of you know hunting kind of gets a bad rap for being you know anti-nature or whatever really it's, mm. it's very supportive mm. of nature there's a very conservationist aspect to hunting and that's kind of the primary purpose of hunting in the first place that's why it hasn't been outlawed by any means in the united states is because it's very very yeah, yeah conservation is friendly you know it's very population control-esque it's very mm -hmm. ecosystem conservation-esque i mean there's a lot of benefits to it yeah um i think in the uk like i think it occasionally it can have some benefits but it's very rare um like a lot of the hunting that that happens is is what's called like um it's it's just a completely crazy story and like i mean you're welcome to like find someone who supports <laughs> it although like not not many people do um it's a completely so like there's i don't know how whether you've read anything about um this isn't like specifically to do with farmland as such but mm. I don't know whether you've read anything about like grouse shooting. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> um, so basically some people here like um, 
it's it's a it's a crazy story because like they import a lot of pheasants which are like this game bird mm-hmm. and gra- and grouse which are another type of game bird hmm. and there's like certain areas like large areas of the country where um the they have these like vast um i suppose they call them like the grouse moors hmm. and this is like typically owned by this is like this is not someone hunting for food this is like someone a landowner typically like the land has been like in the family for hundreds of years as i said it's like it's very associated with the with the upper class here gotcha. and but now like the industry a lot of the time they will they will import birds from france and all like or like raise them like on a farm here and then they will take them to like this this wilderness or wild or like supposed like wild place Mm. and then they will like release them and um so like these birds have never been in the wild they're they're not wild they've they've like been bred for for hunting basically and released Hmm. and they're like an invasive species and something like something like two million pheasants every year get released into the countryside wow and you get like these and a lot of conservationists have pointed out that these pheasants that are being released like as well as like being hunted they before before they get shot they actually do a lot of damage like they'll eat like Hmm. invertebrates they'll eat things they'll like mess up other birds like nests and stuff and they because they because they've been bred they're they're quite easy to, to shoot like there's not really much of a of a challenge so like you know they don't know what they're doing they don't know where they are so like right. you know like a, you know if a if a dog like runs towards them they'll like fly up and then like and then hmm. they can get shot but the problem the main problem that we've got is that these on these sort of moors that are like supposedly being being managed like for um for pheasant shooting and then grouse shooting and stuff like what will happen is um in the UK, we've got a lot of um, what's called like raptor persecution. So, mm. like um, in the, especially like in the twentieth century, like a lot of our like birds of prey were like hunted um, so much that they almost became extinct. And now, like, um, and and so like now, like a lot of the time, um, they the the um this sort of um i suppose like um the people in charge of ringing birds and like tracking birds movements and stuff sometimes they will they will put a ring on the bird's leg that will track it like wherever it goes mm. and what happens is that they've noticed like in the last few years that these birds like keep disappearing over like particular pieces of land like they'll fly and it'll track it and track it and then it will suddenly stop and they found that like a lot of the time it's like due to um they're like getting killed over these grouse moors because basically people want to keep the land for the for the grout for the grouse that they've like imported like as an invasive species like to be hunted like so it's it's 
it's a very like here it's a whole other conversation than like in the united states like it doesn't sound it doesn't sound it maybe there are some similarities but i think that it's it's very different and i mean yeah the closest thing i could think of is i know there are some people that actually farm farm is a bad word for it but they they breed uh like deer that can be used for hunting but the thing is they don't usually release them into the wild so there's no like conservation yeah. disruption so there's like there's no yeah there's no ecological yeah. there's no ecological in, in, in intrusion it's, it's entirely based on this farm and so like that's like mm-hmm. kind of the closest thing i could think of but we really don't yeah we usually don't do a whole lot of stuff like that because like i said hunting here is very much a it's a cultural thing and it's very much a uh, there's there's a there's much more of a conservation element to it so you know the the environment is much more uh it's it's taken a much higher regard and we you know when, when hunting here because environmental protection mm. is definitely a big part of of making sure that you know hunting goes properly because you know there's tons of regulations on how many of each animal you're allowed to kill per season on you know how many like uh like you have to like buy tags to to kill certain animals you're not allowed to kill you know more animals than you have tags for so that way you know because the idea behind it is that way they don't um you know they they don't deplete the populations of certain animals too much and then start to cause environmental issues due to that and so yeah it's definitely a lot more it seems like it's a, it's a lot less sport like than it is over there. Maybe I'm not quite sure. If that's a yeah, that's not yeah, it. yeah. It's it's definitely it's de- here. It's definitely seen as a sport. Like okay. I'm just sending you something in the in the chat about like the about this issue. Okay. Um. Um. And there's also like there's also a podcast by a guy called Mark Avery who's mm. like he works for like the main. Um like bird conservation group hmm. in the uk that he talks about pheasants uh being released and um wow okay yeah huh so it's interesting and you know it's 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 uh yeah it's yeah it definitely like it causes a mess yeah it it yeah like <laughs> it's very it's very controversial like i'm sure there's a way to do it that isn't that isn't as damaging but it's mm-hmm. it's hugely controversial especially the whole like the raptor persecution that it that it causes mm-hmm. and yeah not gotcha. not something that is uh that is that is unproblematic gotcha interesting <laughs> okay well, I think that kind of, I mean, I, that was kind of all of the things I had, I had in mind when you, you know, brought up conservation. I'm not sure mm. if there's anything else that, mm. you know, any other additions to that conversation that you wanted to go over or any other questions you had about not just conservation, but agriculture in general or. Yeah. I just thought of something actually, I don't okay. know how it is in the, U- in the US with, um, with like, kind of like, because here, um, I don't know how it is. I don't know how it is in the US with like regulations about walking dogs, like for example, through mm. through like someone's land. If there's like a right of way to to do it, like I don't mm. because in the UK that's actually quite a problem because people have like a right the right of way like to walk through land, which is which is in my opinion a good thing. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of the time, um, you know, people like to 
walk their dogs like sort of in nature or like in farmland and stuff and sometimes they kind of like let them off the the lead and mm. that can not all the ways but like sometimes it can cause a bit of an issue mm. is is that a similar thing in the in, in the USA is there like a conflict between the rights of farmers and like the rights of I suppose pet owners and, and things um I mean not necessarily we so we have private property laws here so um you kind of have the freedom to walk wherever you want as long as there's no private property um Mm. like warnings Mm. so like you know let's just say i wanted to walk on a farm if the farm has a sign up that says no trespassers i can't walk on that farm without some kind of persecution um Mm. so and and the private property is up to the discretion of those who own it so like yeah even if, you know, yeah. if an owner owns private property and they have a sign up that says, you know, visitors welcome or whatever, people are allowed to walk on there if they want to. So it kind of depends mm-hmm. on the operation, but the private property does give the the regulation rights to the owner itself. So it's not necessarily that people have a right to kind of go wherever they want and that causes conflict with the farm owners. It's more so the farm owners get to pick and choose whether or not they want people to walk on their land. Mm-hmm yeah yeah so you will see some operations that are a lot more open to that kind of stuff you know they'll have you know kind of open gates policies and they'll just say anyone can come on whenever they want and you know they can come talk to us and they can come see our farmland they can let their dogs run you know whatever you have some that are like don't come near my land or else i'll shoot you kind of situation (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think i think like in the uk like typically there's also private property laws Mm -hmm. but there's usually like there's usually in a lot of places i think like especially like well there's usually like footpaths so like Mm. the um in most cases like the the footpath will be marked Mm. and it will be like i don't know like along the edge of a field or something and um so like it will be against the law to like walk along the main field but like if you keep to the footpath then that's um and it's usually like marked with like arrows and stuff even if it's like private property all around but the problem is that um that's sometimes difficult to um sometimes um most of the time it's fine but like um i just wondered if there was that if there was that kind of um conflict there but it doesn't really seem like there is no yeah the the farms in in the united states are a lot more uh that's what I'm looking for. Like they, they're, they're a lot more independent. You know, they, they really, they have the freedom yeah. to kind of choose whether or not they want people to mm. be allowed to come yeah. on. And so it's kind of, they, they may not like, you know, like, like I said, some farmers may not, you know, they may, they may build their own kind of walking path that people can use, but there's no like public, you know, public property, mm. uh, like walking paths that are just available for people to use. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay um that's that's really interesting yeah no i i hadn't you know i wasn't aware that that was kind of you know uh, i know i do know that um you know in the united states the private property laws can be a bit of a conflict but not for that reason they yeah yeah you know uh, they can be basically a lot of their issues come down to the the rights of their land so you know like if Mm -hmm. if two people own property right next to each other, you know, and like one of them is growing, you know, organically, obviously they can't spray their fields with anything. And if the other one is growing non-organically and they spray their fields and some of it gets kind of blown over by the wind onto the organic field, 
that can cause a lot of issues. There's lawsuits involved. People can kind of get, yeah. you know, like, or like, you know, yeah. let's say there's a beekeeper that lives right next to a farmer and the farmer sprays his field and accidentally hits the bees. And then, you know, some of the bees die. Yeah. That, that causes, you know, issues. Yeah. So like there's, there's lawsuit kind of issues with that kind of private property, you know, but mm-hmm. there's really not a whole lot of conflict with, you know, just people walking onto their property and, you know, and, and that kind of thing mm-hmm. happening. So I, I would say that, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a bit of a, um, a difference in kind of and also we don't have a ton of people kind of just walking around on, on farmland you know here because if you live in the farming community you're either working on your own farm or you kind of just don't go out much um and in the cities you know, they're yeah, not close yeah. enough to the farmland yeah. that they can walk there so it's kind of like we don't quite have as much of an option maybe in some other states there is but at least not yeah. not where i live yeah 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 whereabouts do you live i live in so i don't know i'm i'm right in the middle of california uh, in fresno i'm not sure if you oh, okay. know where that's at um yeah yeah so i'm way over that's, the i think that's in that's interesting like you said about the beekeepers because i think mm-hmm. i think there was actually a lawsuit um oh. here um mm-hmm. and i think that the like the bee the bees died or something like for some reason and i think it was like ruled that like the farmer wasn't responsible yeah. <laughs> so, so there wasn't really anything that, that could be done wow. <laughs> so, yeah yeah so no, yeah because we... the, the bees are gonna go where they go <laughs> like, right so i mean that's that's kind of i'll have to problem. i'll have to i'll have to i'll have to check that but like yeah i but i i think that it was ruled that it that it wasn't really anything that it what like no one was like no one was at fault mm-hmm. because yeah no i mean that's that that's a common issue here is you know you see a lot of conflicts mm-hmm. with you know people who control or even like a livestock you know like because mm-hmm. bees are considered livestock at least here they are um but like you know with uh, with other livestock if you have pigs or sheep or goats or whatever if they wander on to another uh, like to your neighbor's property and yeah. they you know die somehow yeah. who's responsible you know the person who owns the animal or the person who owns the property so it's kind of like there's there there's a lot of gray areas with that kind of stuff and like similar to your situation you know they're there have been lawsuits that have kind of ended with nobody really winning because it's kind of just, you know, we can't say that either of you are at fault because, you know, this out of your, it's out of both of your controls. And so, you know, kind of like the bees are a bit easier because they're smaller and they can fly. So obviously they're going to be, you know, kind of caught up in places they shouldn't be. Um, But so that's kind of just, Mm -hmm. we've had issues in the past with um, actually just recently, this happened a few months or uh, it's, it's been about a year now, I guess um a crop duster is flying over somebody's property to get to a, a field that he had to spray he wasn't even like low or anything he was just flying over and the guy who owned the property mm-hmm. still to this day we don't know why decided just to shoot at him and we don't know like to, for some it had to do with you know he didn't want him flying over his property or something but like there was no like prior communication the guy didn't even know who he was it wasn't like the crop duster had like you know flown over before and they had talked about it like he was just flying over on his way to his job hadn't even been spraying yet he wasn't like you know, nothing was coming out of the plane. It was just flying over. The guy shot at him, and then they ha- they went to court over it because he said that you know it was his property. The guy should you know the guy shouldn't have been able to fly over it. Mm-hmm. And the guy said I was flying a plane. I wasn't spraying anything, so I wasn't affecting the property. So I shouldn't be responsible. And it was like this whole you know this whole lawsuit. The guy who shot the you know shot the plane was the one that ended up you know, losing it. He he got you know he got in trouble for shooting at a plane that wasn't even touching his property. But um, yeah, so like stuff like that can even be kind of problematic at times. So there's just there's weird, you know, private property laws mm. that kind of conflict with each other here and there. Uh, and so I suppose like the guy was, uh, that's really hard for me to imagine because like, right. 
like yeah. someone flying in a plane like on their way <laughs> to like spray a field <laughs> yeah and well that was the thing is like you know how how did he even shoot that that far because like it wasn't like the plane was close to his property like the plane was pretty high up and the guy just so happened to shoot like just the mm. right angle to, to hit it but yeah it was it was crazy you know but that was kind of a weird situation like private property laws tend to tend to fall mostly in the agricultural sector you know you usually don't hear about private property laws being a major issue with other industries but mostly agriculture is kind of a big one yeah yeah how what percentage of the i don't know what percentage of the uk's land is uh is agriculture let me Um, let me look it up Let me see. Okay, that's about what I thought. Um, so in the United States, about forty-four percent of, of our land is used for agricultural use. Yeah, apparently here it's seventy percent. Huh. But I don't know. Maybe they're like defining it quite loosely. I don't right. Know. So that that can yeah. be kind of a diff- a difficult thing because agriculture can mean um, you know fishing. It can be an aquaculture. Mm. It can mean mining. Uh, you, you, uh, lumber. So like there, there's a lot of different definitions for agriculture. So it's like I'm curious how, how much that is just farms and ranches. I'm not sure if that's broken down at all. So I think they've like defining it quite loosely because mm-hmm. like they're saying that um, around 70% of the land area is agricultural, but then they're saying that 36% is croppable. Like, so 30% is like, 36% is like arable land hmm. but then they say most of the rest is grassland rough grazing or woodland and I wouldn't really I don't know I wouldn't really class like I wouldn't really class woodland as yeah as agricultural like I mean, it, that seems a bit weird unless unless they're counting like forests yeah that are I being mean, chopped down as agricultural that, I, I don't yeah. know it seems weird yeah, I mean that that does count as a, as a, as a uh, mm-hmm. section of agriculture, yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily call that agricultural land. No. I mean, it seems like they're almost just saying anything that's not urban, so just all rural land. This is what's left, kind of thing. I think that I think that's what they're counting it as. Okay, this is, that this makes is sense. Wikipedia, which might not be strictly accurate. Right. Um. So looking at the United States breakdown, it's weird because if you know if you look up what percent of the, uh, of the land is used for farming it's about 44 percent. but if you use, if you look it up for livestock production it's about 41 percent. so yeah. it, that may that makes it sound like there's only three percent used for crop production but that, that's definitely not the case so i'm not sure what the breakdown is it's a little bit unclear and also these stats are a few years old so they might be updated by now mm. Mm, okay about 40 percent ish yeah which I know that's the breakdown in California, at least fifty percent. Oh, that that's not that's not the breakdown of land use. That's the breakdown of water use. Yeah, and in California, fifty percent mm-hmm. of the water goes to urban developments. Forty percent goes to agricultural, and ten percent goes to residential. Or sorry, fifty percent is environmental, and you know, ten percent is is urban or, or residential. Yeah. But okay. Awesome. Well, I think uh, does that you know? Did you have any other questions or anything else you wanted to cover or? Um. I can't really think of anything at the moment. Okay, I think they kind of covered everything. Ask me anything? No, I mean, um, yeah, I really, I that that kind of covered everything that I had in mind for the episode. So, um, I think this is kind of a you know kind of a good natural stopping point for the conversation. I'd say. Um, So before we close out, you know, would you like to reintroduce yourself and kind of you know plug your podcast, let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, sure. So, um, 
I my name is Rachel and I run a podcast about ladybugs and ladybirds called Hidden Wings and Bloodlust and you can find me on Twitter at HWAB HWAB podcasts or um, on Instagram at 365.ladybird and you can find my podcast on all good podcast apps awesome well i'll be putting all your links down in the description so people can find you and you know sharing all your stuff around so awesome um well thanks you know so much rachel for joining me for this episode it's sure been a lot of fun thank you yeah Yeah. my pleasure um you know as 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 we learn some more about conservation and stuff i might need to do uh, another one here pretty soon but exactly um... (laughs) yeah i think i need to probably check a lot of facts and (laughs) that i said it might not be right (laughs) no 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 worries i mean we we have a kind of a a firm policy on this show that nobody's an expert we kind of just go off of what we know and if somebody wants to fact check us they're more than welcome to so um but yeah i think that kind of wraps things up so thanks to all the listeners for tuning in and for always supporting this and uh yeah hope to catch all you next week and don't forget if you eat today thank a farmer